I've not always loved myself. I'm not going to sit here and say every single day I wake up like a ball of love and I'm like, <laughs> because I love myself. I don't. Some days it's literally a case of I'm committing to go to the gym because I respect myself enough to go and move my body so that I can work towards loving myself a little bit more. Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast. Inspiring conversations with badass women. Empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first. If you're in need of a serious female empowerment, positive boost in your day, you must listen to this chat I had with Dom, aka Dominique Bins. We discuss fitness, Dom's incredible journey with fitness and learning to love her body and look after her body and respect herself. And we also go into some serious shit around breakups, self-worth and toxic relationships. So one to share with your girlfriends. I really hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone, welcome back to Put Yourself First. Today I'm with Dom, say hello. Hello everyone. Do you like Dom or Dominique? Um, pretty much <laughs> everybody calls me Dom. Yeah. I think only my mum and my grandma call me Dominique. <laughs> or if yeah. I'm in trouble I get Dominique. <laughs> I thought so. Um, would you like to introduce yourself and a bit more about what you do? Um, I'm Dominique Bins. I am predominantly a personal trainer and a coach. Um, I only coach women, so I'm a female-only personal trainer. Um, I also host female-only events which are centred around empowering women, self-love and body confidence and um, other things like women in business and they're called What Women Want. Um, So I coach people one-to-one in the gym, um, so hands-on, and I coach people around the world um, remotely, so through my online services. Fantastic. And... I just think we're so on the same wavelength with everything we're both doing, so I'm really excited today to get into some girl power chat. Yes, yes. me too. So, I feel like I need it this week. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say this podcast feels a bit like therapy. Yeah. <laughs> They've just talked about their life for an hour. Um, would, would you like to go back then and go into your personal health and well-being journey because obviously you got into this industry for a reason so why is that so um my health and fitness journey is quite I feel like no journey is ever linear but I feel like my personal health and fitness journey has been like it's literally been swings and roundabouts to say the least so I have always been a dancer, so I was a dancer for 14 years, um, and I did like a few different styles of dancing, and then when I got to like 18, 19, um, I kind of discovered going out, like having a boyfriend, and um, obviously then going into like the work world and the adult world, and I just didn't have time to dance anymore, so I kind of stopped with uh, with the focus on dance, um, and it just wasn't a priority for me anymore. Um, so when I got into health and fitness, it was actually via modelling. So I was scouted a few times throughout my teenage years and it was just something that I never really cared much for. Um, my mum's always very much kept my feet on the ground. Like I am the most beautiful girl in the world in my mum's eyes. And she's always let me know that. But in in terms of like modelling and stuff, she's, she's never like blown my trumpet and been like, 
yes, go and do it. She's always been like, you have to be very careful in this in this like realm. And I didn't really actually start getting into it until I was about 19. So I was scouted by an agency and then I ended up going to another agency which was better in Manchester. And shortly after that, I um, auditioned for Britain's Next Top Model. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, not many people well, are still that. When I tell people, they're like, I'm going to Google it. And I'm like, oh, is, God. Is that it's, still on? Yeah, there's like yeah. my interview. There's forums talking about me. Someone said that I looked like I was missing a chromosome on. Sorry, mm-hmm. I had an extra one or something. I was just like, Demon. this is why people, celebrities <laughs> get like complexes. Because someone's out here saying that I look like I'm missing a chromosome. <laughs> All I did was like a two-minute interview. But um, so started that. And then... I don't, I think I've always been fairly body confident. Obviously, as a dancer, you, you kind of trained in confidence naturally. I've always been quite an out there person, never really struggled, never cared about like dieting. I did start looking after myself more as I got older and became more aware of, of my body and obviously more aware of the world around me, but I was never really, really bothered about like anything. I was always confident in myself. Um, obviously, then being in the modeling industry, it's kind of like, I always say this, you know when you get a word and you look at it and you keep looking at it and all of a sudden it just starts looking like it's spelt wrong and then you're like, I'm going to have to Google this word. Yeah. I think that's what you, when you put in under a spotlight, you scrutinise everything about your own body and then I just became desperate to lose weight. I'd never been really skinny, apart from when I'd gotten sick once and I was like, I want to know what I actually would look like if I just put everything into getting skinny and there wasn't really any like like bad intentions I wasn't like deeply insecure but I was just kind of influenced by the modeling industry and thought I need to be skinnier um so that was so I suppose that's generally why I got into health and fitness so I started doing spin classes and um I had no idea what I was doing and I was just doing cardio and I think that's what women generally tend to do when they first go into health and fitness is just do cardio because it's all it's kind of like safe and um it's what we're kind of, we, we still think is the the way to go. So I did loads and loads and loads of cardio and I did lose a lot of weight. I mean, to the extent where after I did the Britain Sex Top Model thing, I went into my agency to have some updated um, like portfolio pictures where they just take Polaroids of you. And my agent was like, oh my God. She was like, I want to take you and feed you. I want to take you to the cafe downstairs. She was like, you are not on, like... I was a, I was like a lifestyle lingerie because I've always been quite like big busted and yeah. um, I always had some shape and she was like you're not an editorial model like and she was like you're thinner than some of the girls who we have on the catwalk and I honestly didn't recognize it um, and I was, I was kind of a bit like I don't want to swear, but I was a bit like, oh, you like, stuff, stuff you, <laughs> like, I look, I look great, like, yeah. I thought I looked fine, I thought I looked healthy, I had abs, and then I started dating a guy who was, um, a bodybuilder, um, yeah. and then I started training a little bit better, um, and started kind of looking at what I was eating a little bit more, um, obviously started training in the bodybuilding gym where everybody in there pretty much competed or did like bodybuilding as like their style of training and at first I was a bit like whoa like this is not for me I walked in there like just under seven stone and I was tiny and um, and the more I got in there the more confident I grew in training and then I obviously started to look at the other women who were more muscular and thought oh maybe I want to look like that so then I started training like 
a bodybuilder and I fell into competing naturally, like haphazardly, I suppose. Um, I got a coach and at the time I hadn't said I wanted to compete and um, she was a lady from Wales and she said, um, right, we're going to put you on stage. Shortly before this, a guy actually pulled me to one side and said that he thought I had an eating disorder. Um, and that was actually, it was, like what I, what I was doing um, was was what you would deem like disordered eating. Um, I was like starving myself throughout the week and um, that's what I did beforehand. All I knew was to eat less. Like yeah. I didn't know really much about nutrition or, or training at the time. So when he when I asked him to like sit down and look over my food, he was like, I don't know how you're actually alive like with what you're eating. I don't know how you train the way that you train and you function. He was like, but he said that all this in private and he just said like exercise and, and training in health and fitness in the industry itself is a great way to mask an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, and I, and this was all really new to me. I was like, I, I thought I was fine. Like I thought it was just being healthy and he was like, you're starving yourself. So he educated me a lot around nutrition and like eating properly and eating to actually fuel my workouts. So then I started training with this woman from Wales who reversed all of that, mm. told me to not eat any carbs. I was eating like six, seven hundred calories a day. I was training twice a day. I was all sorts. And then I decided I was going to compete. And that was like the kickstart of my competitive career. So I competed for two years. And you not... Um, commercial modeling at this point no I'd stopped modeling by this time so you're not so you didn't do like fitness modeling or anything like that I did some fitness modeling yeah. throughout my um competing like competing I say competing career I really call it career like competing <laughs> phase competitive phase I did some like fitness modeling yeah um in like some of the magazines and uh, for clothing brands um so I basically undid all my hard work that I'd done with uh, the guy that helped me with my food and then went to this other coach who had me starving myself then I ended up being coached by Josh, who's now one of my best friends, who, like, pretty much turned everything around, like, sorted my, like, metabolism out, helped me eat a lot more food, and um, for, like, the rest of my competitive, like, seasons, um, like, made them a lot more, like, enjoyable for me. Um, but even throughout my competing, especially in my second year, I kind of realised, like, there is more to life than this, and this is just a part of, of my life. And the only reason I really competed for, or one of the only reasons I competed for the second year was the fact that I was going through such a tough time. I'd just broken up with a boyfriend. It was a really abusive relationship. So um, just before I started competing, I basically found out that the guy I was with at the time had been speaking to, like, maybe 30-plus women behind my back. And I never told anybody. When was this? So, God, this must have been 2014. Right. Um, and he worked, like, it, it was just, it, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. I couldn't cope with it. So all I knew was to just throw myself into myself. And at the time, the easiest way to do that was to compete. So the second year of me competing was when I actually broke up with him. So it gave me a focus away from all of, like, the traumatic drama and events that were going on there. And I just threw myself into competing. And that season was literally when I actually learned to just enjoy myself. And I never, I said to Josh, who I was coaching with at the time, like, if this ever becomes a chore, 
or I feel unhealthy at any point, I won't compete. Um, so it's kind of like, I was doing it to cope with my breakup, I was doing it to like focus on myself, but also I kind of wanted to prove that to, to compete, you don't have to not have a life and you don't have to kill yourself to do it. Um, and then I stopped competing and that was like the final year that I competed. I stopped competing in October and I already knew before I'd finished competing that there was more, everything that I've kind of done, like modelling, competing, I always was like, I have so much more to give than this, that I've got so much more to give. And obviously both of those things are quite selfish. So I think what kind of occurred to me was that the more was to give to other people, the more was to help other people, that feeling of that yearning to do more was to help other women through the experiences that I'd gone through because I'd gone through such like a turbulent up-down health and fitness journey. I was like, I want to help women not have to go through all of the like shit that I've been through and get to like a good place with their relationship with their body, their relationship with food and just their relationship with health and fitness as a whole. Um, so I started then with DB Fit and I've literally still got my original notes somewhere and not much in terms of like the core values of what I've wanted to achieve, like to create a community, a safe place for women to to learn, to grow, to be more confident um, and to help them have that healthy relationship in all different aspects and walks of life has not, it's not really changed. I think the way that I've delivered it and um, the way that I train people now and the way that I work with people, that's constantly changing, that's always evolving because there's always room for improvement but what I actually want to achieve has never really changed so that's and I think the way that I approach my own training now is I very very much train for life so I think when I got into health and fitness alongside doing it for modeling I wanted to just know what it was like to to be fit and healthy and to feel good all the time and I think when you go into you go into these sort of like um you go into these places where you think that like having an aesthetic goal is, is going to help you you get there. It doesn't, it actually takes away from your training for life. So I engineered my way of thinking towards aesthetics for such a long time that it's taken me to probably the past 12 months to fully appreciate training beyond just how you look, like training for health, training for how you feel and knowing like obviously aesthetics can be a part of that that's fine everybody has aesthetic goals I think it's quite naive of us and idealistic of us to say nobody cares what they look like because mm. like we're a shallow species we do care what we look like and that's a part and that's fine and that's a part of us feeling good but there's so much more to it than that and that's what I try and break, like take over to my clients from like what I've learned is like you can look great you can have six pack abs you can be shredded but at what cost like would you rather have half of that and have more of a life the answer is almost always yes so I think it's fine like I've finally found like what works for me in terms of balance which constantly changes depending on where I'm at in my life what time of year it is what season of what season it is like how cold it is outside like if it's sunny if it's not obviously all of those things are, are factored in so I think I've just got a much more like versatile approach to health and fitness than I've ever ever had before um so yeah that's my journey so far <laughs> I think it just talks for like an hour <laughs> no it's I was just sat listening intently because I love that story and we were just talking before we started recording the podcast 
about the fact that women need this information because like you say all we're taught like in terms of information in terms of messaging in terms of goals is to shrink ourselves to be smaller to be skinnier to be leaner and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head where there are like women only spaces online or in the gym where women are getting really good solid information about health and fitness in a framework that is empowering and positive and focused on more than just what they look like. Yeah, I think we are definitely heading in the right direction in terms of of the health and fitness industry and the um, well-being and everything else. Like we're learning that like there's so much more to health and fitness than just losing weight. Um, but I still feel like there's such there's there's like the whole middle ground is just not covered as mm-hmm. much as it should be. So it's either you want to be skinny and you do. And, and that's what you want to do or you want to be really strong and you want to gain loads of muscle but like what if people just want to feel good and like everything yeah. in between um and yeah I agree I think there is there is definitely like a gap there in terms of there's not a, enough that's educating women but at the same time I think as as a society we have to make education sexy again like it has to be it, learning has to be sexy yeah like knowledge is sexy knowledge is confidence confidence is not that eight week fucking shred that you see online that's marketed so well and yes it might look great but what do those people look like after a further eight weeks when the person running that eight week program has dropped them because they no longer serve them because they don't serve what they're selling which is abs with a label on it and it doesn't make it it doesn't it's not made them happy and it might have made them happy in that short space of time but what like what's after that if that makes sense so I feel like what we're kind of sold online in terms of like what looks like health and happiness needs to change yeah um and it needs to be diversified a lot more because what people want is so different what confidence means to me is is completely different to somebody else and we have to be aware of that yeah I also love that you talk a lot about mental health mindset anxiety putting pressure on yourself all the things that women really struggle with yeah and really affect our health and well-being and affect whether you're going to go to the gym or affect whether you can it all starts getting out of bed in the morning (laughs) everything starts from within so it's 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 ridiculous that we ever try and look for those external things to make us happy and to make us feel satisfied because if you're like you said if you're not happy like no amount of training and no amount of of healthy eating is going to change that it has to start from your mental space it has to start from your perspective it has to start with your mindset and again they all go hand in hand it's like pieces to a puzzle like being physically active impacts your mental well-being but so does your mental, your mental, like the way that you approach your mental well-being approach uh, affects your physicality as well. Yeah. It is, it's all a big puzzle, like a big jigsaw that all needs to be intertwined. And people do this thing where they think that they can compartmentalise their life. They can compartmentalise their emotions there in one box. Like how they physically feel is another box. Like their thoughts is, is, a, is a different box. It's not. It's all one thing. Like what you think and who you are, and how you are on the outside, it's all it all goes hand in hand, and if you start to actually treat all of those things as, like, 
as they are connected, then things will just start to come together. But if you focus on the bigger picture and the bigger things, it makes everything so much easier to achieve and you'll actually recognise it. So you, if you're not appreciating from your mind, like from your mindset, if you're not valuing the internal things, you could have all of the external things. You could look like that picture of that model that you so badly want to look like and you could be have everything on point like well inverted commas on point <laughs> but you might be looking at that through a really critical glass like through a critical pair of glasses you'll never appreciate it so it has to start from appreciating from the inside before you can you can appreciate what's on the outside yeah if that makes sense no it really does it's like you have to that cheesy quote you have to love yourself first yeah 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 because health and fitness should be from a place of love rather than a place of hate. And or not even essentially a, a place of love, but at least a place of self-respect. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. really easy to say, oh, do this from a place of love. I've not always loved myself. I'm not going to sit here and say every single day I wake up like a ball of love and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to the gym because I love myself. I don't. Some days it's literally a case of I'm committing to go to the gym because I respect myself enough to go and move my body so that I can work towards loving myself a little bit more. Yeah. Like, it, it has to come from at least self-respect and appreciation and acceptance. You might not necessarily love it, but choosing to hate it is completely going against it. Start with what you've got. So start with appreciation. Start with being grateful. Start with respecting yourself enough to go and do something for yourself. Yeah. Because a lot of people, like, self-love is just simply a little bit too airy-fairy, and that's what I've come to learn. I didn't sell, I didn't love myself throughout my entire journey, but I respected myself enough to kind of, like, have the discipline and the patience to continue working on growing myself to get to that point. Yeah. So it's coming, it's coming at it from a positive angle rather than a negative, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Whatever positive spin you can put on it, put it on. Yeah. And it's the same, like you were saying, and there's there's like a meme or something that I think I've posted recent, uh, recently or like in the past few months is, like you can drink, you can drink all the alkaline water, you can do all the yoga classes, you can eat all the kale in the world, but if you don't have a healthy mind, you're not healthy. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. And, it's, and that is like the intrinsic piece to every single person's puzzle. Yeah, I completely agree. That leads me on really nicely to talking about um, one of the reasons that I approached you to ask you to come on the podcast and for context uh, me and Dom and I met on we were both on a panel last October was it? I have no idea. It was a few months ago. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what I did yesterday. Um, <laughs> it, we were on a panel together a few months ago and Dom just ha- clearly has an amazing story and just had so much to say about self-love but female empowerment and you talked about your year, last year. So, I think, so, (laughs) let's elaborate. Without, like, making you share your whole life story. Oh, wow. Can we just go into it? I'll share it, but I'll be here a long time, (laughs) and then I'll forget this. (laughs) Let's, Let's, like, go back to what you were talking about on that day because I think you had such a great story to tell about self-discovery and thinking about what you want and setting boundaries in your own life and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Um, so 2018 was 
by far the hardest year of my life, but by far the biggest year of growth for me, um, personally, um, emotionally, probably business-wise, because I think I think we do, again, like compartmentalising, we do this thing where we think like everything's separate, it's not, like work affects your life, affects your emotions, yeah. affects your relationships, and vice versa, yeah, so it's really stupid of us to try and separate all of those things, so if I've grown personally, for me I've grown professionally, because that the, I'm a better person to run that business so I think it was just the biggest year of growth for me in so many ways and um I think at that at the point that I spoke on the panel it was um it fact kind of felt like I was turning a corner with everything so I had gone through a breakup relatively close to the event well close I say a few months before um and I think we were speaking about feeling like a type of feel, feeling but you weren't enough. Um, has there ever been a time where you don't, you didn't feel like you were enough? And I think it actually took somebody to ask that question for me to say, like, yeah, wow. For a long time, I didn't feel like I was good enough for anyone, for myself, for the world, for my partner, and and it was really hard for me to ever speak about it because I felt like I was letting myself down so much. Um, and that was one of the reasons that I actually stayed in the relationship so long was because I felt like I was just letting myself down so I was trying to claw it back through validating myself by staying in this really toxic relationship and I kind of realised like I was doing all of these things to, to make someone else happy and I was and at the same time giving myself so much to that situation and 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 to put it to put it like this so I have a therapist and um, I've spoken like heavily about this with her and that because I love myself and I know how to do it when I was in my relationship I basically tried everything and I so desperately wanted him to love himself to know how it felt and then to be able to be so like in the in the relationship from the same place that I was I basically like took that like thing out of me and said here you go this is how you love yourself and I gave that away so I completely forgot how to love myself in a desperate attempt to love somebody else and to try and teach somebody else how to love themselves. And that never works. It's never going to work. Like, it's a recipe for disaster. So I basically then, like, I tore myself down and down and down and constantly criticised myself and looked within me for what was wrong with me. So I never, ever felt like I was good enough. And it was really hard. And, and when I went to when I went away, so this is what I spoke about at the event, I um, I went to Bali and it was the first time I'd ever been taken out of it and it was it was like I was sat like on top of the, not on top of the world but on top of my own life looking down and I just had this moment of realisation, I just thought what on earth are you doing? Like what are you doing? And then the way that I saw his behaviour change, like I had a conversation, I got really close to somebody on the retreat and, and I opened up to them probably for the first time and it was probably the first time I ever even realised any of the things that I was thinking or saying and I was like, this isn't okay, I shouldn't feel like this, I should not feel like this in a relationship, like and I just had this moment of realisation, I just thought, I like, I am good enough and one thing's for sure, I'm too good for this nobody deserves this, I shouldn't feel like this, um, and I just decided to 
come back and do something about it and take control and it took a long time like I'm not saying I just came home and ended the relationship I didn't I didn't I stayed and I toyed with this idea and and I just felt so unsettled and I felt so pulled to to leave but I didn't I was obviously scared I think anybody who's in a relationship because even though I'm like everyone would deem me a strong person every all of my friends would tell you I'm strong I'm fierce I say what I want I'm sassy I'll (laughs) I am I don't hold back I'm honest but inside we've all got that little girl we've all got that little that that little girl inside that's really scared truly of being alone and what and what happens when and it took me to get to absolute breaking point where I just thought I don't care what happens I don't care what's going to happen next I don't care what I'm scared of anymore because it cannot get any worse than feeling like this it cannot get any worse than waking up with this feeling in the bottom of my stomach every single day um and I just decided to to leave eventually um and it was literally the most liberating feeling but the most scary feeling I literally felt like I'd just imagine two cliffs and there's a massive gap in between that was just I felt like I was just doing that jump in slow motion for such a long time and I was like I have no idea if this is going to work but it's got to work you've got to be okay, like, you're always going to be okay, and I just kept that in my mind all the time, like, I will be okay, because it couldn't possibly be any worse, could only get better, I kind of felt like I had nothing to lose by leaving, obviously, that's not the case, because, like, things got worse, things got harder, there were so many ups and downs, but, um, ultimately, I always just maintained, like, you'll be okay, you'll be happy again, you'll be fine, you can handle this, you can do this, there was days, there was times when, genuinely questioned if I could I genuinely questioned whether I could hold it together anymore and like I proved myself right right that I could but also wrong when I questioned if I could um so yeah (laughs) that's where that's where I was at when we spoke on the on the panel and um and what what I said on the day was like you have to look at it right and you won't if you, if you actually think, like, you only live once, like, you shouldn't be in a relationship where you feel like you're not good enough, like, I think, I read a really funny meme once that was like, um, there's one thing for sure, like, your soulmate shouldn't be making you cry every day, like, no. it was it was a bit funnier than that, but it was basically saying, like, I don't know if you believe in soulmates, but one thing for sure, if they do exist, they certainly don't make you cry on a daily basis. And I was like, that's so true. Like, how many of us sit there and cry about our boyfriends every single day? And then we're like, oh, but they're our soulmates. Well, they're not, are they? Because they wouldn't be making you do that. Um, and I think if you are ever questioning if you are enough, or if it's right, probably not right. Your intuition's always right. And I just wish that more of us, one, recognise when our intuition's speaking to us, or you've got instinct and trusted it because if I'd have entrusted mine a lot sooner it wouldn't have taken me so long to do what I did um but I just think it's a really scary thing to do and we've become so kind of like out of tune with our own intuition and our own gut instincts we don't know if we're just making it up like it's really hard to tell the difference if you are overthinking things you're overanalyzing things which I'm terrible for um and you're making things up in your head or if it's really your gut instinct um but more often than not, I've learned that it is my gut instinct. Yeah. I think that's a really important story to share because, as we've just been talking about, 
you know, if one area, if you're really unhappy in one area of your life, you're not going to get to that next level of growth in your business or with your health and fitness goals. And it's really easy for people to follow you on your Instagram and assume that your life is perfect. Oh, I think... I I mean, you're really good at being real and showing the other side of it and talking about this kind of stuff. I just mean, in general, it's... I think it's easy for people to follow you and think, oh, well, she's got her own business, she looks great, this, this and this, so her she life no must problems. be perfect and she has no problems. I think people and really people take people could have seen, like, your year last year and how much you were struggling with when you were probably going on Instagram and talking about empowering women through fitness, then... Yeah, like, but there was also the times, like you were saying, I do keep, I do try and keep it really real, but it's painful. Yeah, sometimes it's painful to it be that well. vulnerable, and sometimes there's, sometimes you've got to live it and not live it, and that was difficult. Like, and I, and it, I was really open when I went through my breakup. I never explicitly spoke and said, "Oh, I'm going through a breakup." But I think if you read between the lines, <laughs> you'd follow me. It was kind of clear what was happening, and. I was just trying to live it and be in the real world, but also still trying to help people out there and not be in that making everything look really perfect because, oh my God, it was so far from. But then there's times like, I didn't want to put on Instagram that I'd cried for a four and a half, however long it takes to fly to Greece. I cried the entire flight. I didn't even think it was humanly possible to cry that much for that long, but it was, and I did. And obviously that was the stuff that, that was too painful to to say and do and obviously some things are just better left private like something yeah. should be private and, and you have to go through it as well yeah but people then do come out the other side people do very much take for granted when you are real and it's kind of like yeah she's real and she's upset but she's still doing she's still doing great like she's still doing great and or they'll just forget about the real bit because you always want to hold in on positive things um but one thing like I have been thinking about recently is we do feel this immense pressure uh on social media and in life in general to show up all the time and not only to show up but to show up and be positive and perfect mm. and it's just not even possible it's not possible and I think that's one thing I did try and show when I was going through it is I'm not perfect, my life's not perfect, nobody's life's perfect, nobody ever really feels like they've got their shit together, nobody ever really thinks they have a, they have a solid clue what they're doing, and that's one thing that I always just try and maintain, um, and when I was going through all of that, I did always think this is just another opportunity for me to actually help people, and um, and yeah, I think that's kind of what kept me going through it, was like, yeah. this is an opportunity, this is an opportunity, this is an opportunity, even though really I actually was like, I feel like I'm going to just die today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What advice would you give to anyone going through that right now? God, I've actually done a very long YouTube video about breakups. Okay. And it's like I'll step by step tip, tips to, I've not posted it yet, but it'll be live this week. This week or next, so by the time the show goes live. Yeah. Um, and I think there are so many things that I can advise people, but the biggest things that I would say is know your worth above anything. Like, and understand that when you do know your worth, you instantly become a more attractive person. So I think people confuse knowing your worth with trying to win somebody back. So 
you have to be really, really resilient and really strict with yourself in that in that very delicate time when you're going through a breakup when you really would do anything for that person's affection and attention. And it's it's human nature. I think no matter how much you try and avoid it, you do want that person to, to want you, even if you don't want them. Um, but you have to be really resilient with yourself with that and know your worth and know that you deserve more and set those boundaries and understand that when you do set those boundaries, not only do you become more attractive um, and more desirable because they're attractive qualities in a person, people will always try and test your boundaries just to see how serious you are about them. So there will be people who try and take advantage of you or try and manipulate your boundaries just to see, oh, well, she's set these standards and she's set these boundaries. How serious is she really? And the moment that you drop them and you don't uphold them, they found a loophole and a way in. And then you've also like done yourself a disservice because you've lowered your standards. So you've therefore like kind of shot yourself in the foot and you will start to accept less. And then you start to accept less and less and less. So be resilient and know your worth and uphold that at all times. Um, also knowing the difference between your emotional and your logical brain is so important when you're going through a breakup. It can be so, so difficult to know the difference. So I always just thought, because there are so many things now that I nearly did when I was feeling hyper-emotional, really sensitive, and I just wanted to send that really long email that took me an hour to write, and then something said, don't do it, don't do it yet, wait on it, always wait on it, if you do, if you have the impulse, impulsive desire to do something that might seem slightly irrational, even when you are that emotional, don't do it, always wait, and generally when you wait, you'll be like, yeah, thank God I didn't send that. And there were so many times when I nearly did something and then something would happen, i.e. like my ex-partner would do something really spiteful and I'd be like, oh, well, imagine if I sent that message that now I would have felt like a real idiot. And it's kind of like, if you believe in a higher power, whether that be God or the universe or whatever, then you kind of have to think like, it will show you things sometimes. You have to be aware and switched on to that all the yeah. time. So knowing the difference between your emotional brain and your logical brain and always try and exercise your logical brain all the time. So try and think with your head and not with your heart or your feelings. Um, what else would I say? Do things that actually build you up as a character. So I think during that time when you are really vulnerable, you are sensitive, you have a tendency to do things that actually make you feel like shit. I always say, humans love to hurt themselves. If you feel like shit, you are drawn to it to the things that are going to give you immediate satisfaction, i.e. going out and getting pissed, eating crap food, junk food, or not eating at all, yeah? Scrolling social media for hours, spending time with people who are not good for you, who are inherently toxic, or the first person that shows you attention. So, yeah. like, like jumping into bed with somebody when you're going through a breakup, never going to make you feel great. Might make you feel great for all of three seconds and then you, you'll instantly regret it and it'll make you feel worthless. Things like that. And um, so just things that kind of, like, they might give you instant satisfaction there and then in the moment, but long term, they actually make you feel like shit. Try and recognise when you are, like, self-sabotaging and going doing those things. And I think there needs to be a balance of, like, having fun like, if you're going through a breakup, go out and get pissed with your friends, great. But then the next day, don't spend it, like, wallowing in self-pity. Just try and be a little bit aware that that might be why you kind of, like, feel like shit. I think another big thing is stop playing the blame game. 
when people are in breakups, like, we kind of, like, we want to pin responsibility or take responsibility, pin it, take it, pin it, take it, and find out who's right and wrong for every little thing that went wrong. That is a waste of time and energy. Like, if you're not going to resolve and reconcile the relationship, then yes, of course, you need to kind of make logical sense of some things that have happened, but don't channel all your time and energy into it because it doesn't really matter who's at fault. What matters is it's over, accept it, do everything that you can do then to throw yourself into you and stop trying to to make them recognise where they're wrong or they're right or where you're wrong and you're right because really it doesn't matter. Your life's short, accept it, own it, get on with it, move on. Um, And I think as well, the biggest thing is recognise that it's the beginning and not the end. So, so many women, I think, especially as you get older, obviously, I'm 25, like, I'm not not sat here, like, in my 30s, 40s, but if there are women listening who are older, it's never the end. Like, age is literally just a number. Like, people are at different places in their lives all of the time. It doesn't matter. It matters if you make a big deal of it. So, it is always the beginning. So, I remember when we were in Barcelona, just after, so one other thing is get out. I went traveling to Greece because my best friend was island hopping. So I went island hopping with her. It was the perfect opportunity. And I do believe that that opportunity presented itself at the perfect time because I had so much other things going on in my life. I was homeless. I was carless. My business was up in the air because I was going through all of this stuff. So I had the opportunity to then go and and travel. And um, the time that I was away, like it passed the time that would have passed while I was at home. When Mm. I got home, I had my house was sorted, had my car back, like, I was, I had my business head screwed back on, so everything kind of aligned at the right time, and obviously, when you go through a breakup, like, you just want to be with your best friend, like, you just want to be with your friend, and she obviously wanted to be there for me, she's like my sister, so I went and travelled with her, and I had that opportunity, and on the way back, I flew and met my friends in Barcelona, and we were sat having dinner, and and Josh, um, he's, one of my best friends said like like just said like he was really proud of me for how I handled it and and I was like I don't think you have a choice but to handle it I think a lot of people crumble when there's so much opportunity in a breakup there is so much opportunity in any in the end of any situation for it to open up new doors for you and he said like people don't view things like that that's not a normal way of thinking like that's a great way of thinking but most people don't like that's a great opportunity for you to help people and i said it just think it's it's literally recognizing the difference between the beginning and end and that completely depends on your perspective again the pair of glasses that you're looking at your life through so look at it as the beginning like throw yourself into you use it as an opportunity to grow to glow up to do whatever <laughs> and to to do all the things that you've perhaps been like sidelining and not focusing on because you've been focusing on like your shitstorm of a relationship for such a long time, like use it as an opportunity to go and do all of those things that you've perhaps been missing out on. Love it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing nothing to add to that. (laughs) You, yeah, you've shared so much, um, so many empowering messages and I'm really thankful for you. And before we head into the quick round, obviously fitness is your thing. Um, maybe like two, three things that every woman should be making time for in their fitness routine. Um, from the perspective of a PT. From the perspective of a personal trainer, uh, have a plan. Yeah? Like, 
random training yields random results like anything else you wouldn't go into a job and start just doing random things you always have a plan of action like if you're a business owner you've got a business plan of action so I don't see why people treat the training any differently if you do like random classes and random bits and bits of training here or there you're never going to be able to then apply which is one of the most important principles in training which is progressive overload progressive overload is a term that's used quite a lot within like bodybuilding and strength training but it's applicable to any different any style of training so you have to have some sort of measurable um thing so if you're running like are you improving your run time you're improving your pace per kilometer things like that you always have to progressively improve on something so try and keep some things constant with some room for like change like changeable variables does that make sense Yeah. yeah so some constant variables and some things that are going to change to keep you interested and to keep it fun like I'm all for having fun with your training and being a little bit intuitive like what do you want to do on a daily basis but especially if you're a beginner in the fit in in your health and fitness journey you need to have like a plan of action you need to be going in the gym with a plan of action otherwise you are just going to do what I used to do which I used to call like the tour of the gym where you have (laughs) no idea what any of the equipment is or what any exercise is you just copy random people jump on the machine look at the diagram next to it and be like oh well I think this is how you're supposed to do it don't know what muscle I'm supposed to feel this in um secondly invest whether that be financially or with time so if you can't afford a personal trainer try something that is kind of as good as so fine like get a plan online I would always say if you're a beginner like try and invest in a professional um, whether that be one-to-one or remotely if you are a complete beginner some hands-on training will always accelerate you like so much more so same with anything if you want to be good at something the more you invest at the beginning the better you are going to be quicker yeah. I always say with anything face it head on so same with your fit like your health and fitness goals face them head on where do you want to be what's going to get it what's going to get you there quicker and in the right way like efficiency you want to be efficient with it. You don't want to be spending two years doing something you could have done in two months with the help of somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, number three, don't buy into everything that you see online because there are so many different ways to do things that you can quite easily get caught up in trying to do one thing 10 different ways and then you're not going to ever get to that one thing. So it's like what I said in, in point one, have like a plan. So if you're watching fat 10 different people on instagram like they might all be trying to show you to to get to the same place but they all do it in a different way which is good because it shows you that there's not one straightforward way to achieve a goal but try and just apply one thing yeah and like choose one thing so whether that be like that like you can say like oh i want to gain fat i want to want to gain muscle i want to lose fat just pick one of them and go for it um and i'm gonna add a bonus one that's okay (laughs) focus on what you can gain rather than what you've got to lose as women goes back to the wanting to shrink ourselves sort of sort of mentality we're always focusing on losing 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 loss in itself is a negative word it has negative connotations and it does bring about feelings of shrinking ourselves and needing to be smaller if you focus on what you've got to gain where you've always got more to gain you can gain strength you can gain confidence you can gain knowledge you can gain empowerment like there's so much more to gain from health and fitness than there is to lose 
And if you focus on what you've got to gain, the things that you've got to lose will come as a byproduct of them anyway, and you'll have a much more positive outlook on it. Yeah, and it goes back to something you said before, um, focusing on a on an aesthetic goal. You're actually gonna it's making it harder to reach that goal anyway because it's taking away like vital energy and like it just resources. takes the fun away yeah exactly and it makes that you so much if you more channeled physical. that energy into training and doing what you love you'd probably be more energized anyway in your training yeah, and you'd probably yeah. get there eventually anyway it's just it's for a me weird, it's kind like, of what i we always get in say our own is, way with it i think yeah, yeah yeah what i always say is what's the point in doing anything if ultimately it doesn't make you happy like and that's what you should always bear in mind does this make me happy and yes through midway through a grueling workout probably not much is going to make you happy you know when you're doing that cardio session and someone speaks to you and all you think is shut up stop talking to me <laughs> your personal yeah. trainer shouting at you or your training partner saying come on like do a little bit more and you're thinking i literally i've got no more to give you don't feel that great in that moment but afterwards you'll always feel like you've accomplished something so ask yourself do i feel like i'm achieving do i feel like i'm doing something that's making me happy yeah love it so, quick round questions. What's your go-to self-care ritual after a long day? Um, oh, it depends what day it is. Depends okay. what kind of day it is. I think self-care is a very um, versatile thing for me. I would agree. Um, so, some days it's dancing. Um, like, that's my passion. That's what I still love to do. And I spoke about this in my story a couple of days ago. Um is sometimes nothing will fix me like just going to a dance class and just throwing myself into a dance but all that or just going to a studio and dancing on my own sometimes I just want to dance and it's a way it's a form of expression so it makes sense sometimes it's meditation I try and meditate on a daily basis um or have a bath and read yeah one of three things and sometimes it's just being with people I'm a I'm a people person I'm an I'm an extrovert I love being around people love it so that's a self-care thing for me but then also, depending on what day it is, I don't want to speak to anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Just so leave true. me alone with my thoughts. One of my favourite things is to be in the car on my own. Yeah. Like, it's a drive. Like, if someone's like, oh, it's so far out of your way, I'm like, no, no, I love, the- I love driving. Love driving. And I love driving in silence because it's like a time where I can just be alone with my thoughts. Yeah, I love that. I love driving too. I find it really relaxing. Yeah, yeah. Second question is, what's challenging you to leave your comfort zone recently? People. I think people are always challenging me to leave my comfort zone. I always try and look at everything as an opportunity. So um, if I ever feel uncomfortable, I try and recognise why I feel uncomfortable and just go for it anyway. Um, Yeah. I don't know, I feel that's quite an ambiguous answer. But I think... People are always challenging you to come out of your comfort zone. Um, again, putting myself out there more on social media um, in what I want to do. So in terms of like my direct my direction with career is definitely making me feel uncomfortable at the moment. But there's a very, um, really, really good podcast on Oprah Winfrey Super Souls. And I always feel like I listen to podcasts at the right time when they're really necessary. Yeah. And this one really resonated with me. And it said... When you're on the brink of something great, you will often feel like you are breaking. And that's how I felt recently. And that's made me feel very uncomfortable. So that's pushed me out of my comfort zone. I love that. Question three is, what are your 2019 goals? So, (laughs) 
I always feel like I never, I, I didn't go into the new year with any new year's resolutions really other than to just continue working on myself Yeah. because I feel like it's, I am not the kind of person that can set a goal and, and see it through always. And I'm, I'm very aware of that and things come your way like the universe might throw something your way that you weren't expecting and you've got to kind of be open to that happening at any point so my 2019 goals are to um start and continuously work on my youtube channel i love to talk as you can probably tell and one of the best ways for me to deliver my messages verbally for me um so to continue working on my social media growing and getting a positive message out there to um have a certain amount of what women want events hosted this year with different guests and different outcomes for every single one um and i am working on launching something really exciting online um with db fit which is the coaching and business uh, coaching and personal training side of what i do and that's going to be centered around like educating women helping them be more independent helping them have more knowledge and kind of like somewhere where they can go to for everything like health fitness mindset um and with my hands-on coaching i am uh, working on like a group training model as well so um well it's actually it's it's it'll be I'll be taking people on by the time this is this is out yeah. and um that's to basically help more women come together in the health and fitness space and empower each other support each other and have more support available than just me um and kind of create that community aspect and just have a little bit more fun yeah like so you're combining the fun side as well as the educational side and I think that makes the kind of like knowledge part a little bit easier to grasp love that and you're based out of do you want to shout um, out where you work so people know so whether they can work with you or not i'm based in two different gyms so okay. i'm based in um healed green predominantly which is near manchester airport um and then i that's train healed green and i'm based in strength factory in west horton which is bolton area i didn't know that yeah I'm bolton. oh yeah. yeah yeah so i'm doing um so i'll be doing like two days a week there and then, oh, that's and then cool. the other gym as well the next question is do you have a go-to resource that you're loving because everyone listening to this is a podcast listener probably obsessed with books like is there anything you're really loving at the moment i know you've mentioned some so far but i've just finished reading um everything i know about love by dolly alderton if you've not read it and like you just need to read it it's so good it's such a good book listen to the high low yes yeah so when i listened to the high low podcast i was like this is like me and my best friend liam but a posh version (laughs) yeah and when i've when i've read dolly alderton's book i am literally so like dolly and my best friend is so like farley so when i listened to the podcast within five minutes i thought that and when then when i read the book i was like this couldn't be more accurate. Like I've sent her so many pictures of the, the pages, like the, the paragraphs and I'm like, this is us, this is us, this is us. I, I loved it so much. I actually sent her a copy secretly in the post, which should arrive today. Podcasts. I love yours, of course. And I also really, really like for fitness, uh, the fit and fearless podcast yeah. um, with the girl gains. Um, probably more so because it's Vic. Um, but I do just love it. They've got some amazing guests really on cool. there and um i love oprah winfrey's super soul conversations for like some depth like i think you have to have like an array of podcasts but they're my favorite too at the moment 
last question is where can people go to follow you online and keep up with everything you're doing um (laughs) my social media handles are just my name always dominique bins um youtube and instagram i don't use twitter i can't use it um for the (laughs) life of me i've tried it just doesn't work so they're they're both of the social media channels that yeah i use so yes they can find me there thank you so much for listening to put yourself first if you enjoyed it or you have any feedback i would love you to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening to this and if you'd like to reach out to me on social media to let me know you enjoyed it or just have a chat and say hi i'm at cat underscore horrocks on twitter and instagram and if you're feeling extra kind share this on to a friend who you know needs to hear this one too.